The Lord be with you. Let's pray. Gracious God, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what you have prepared for those who love you. And we ask today that you would give us the mind of Jesus. Teach us your wisdom, that we may see ourselves as we are, that we may see the world as it truly is, that we may be the church you desire. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, we are closing in quickly on the end of the season of Epiphany, this season of the church here during which the appointed gospel lessons that we are reading are all meant to give us some kind of a picture of who Jesus really is as the Son of God. And this is no small thing. I think too often maybe we who call ourselves Christians um, think we got Jesus all figured out, you know. It's easy to think that we already know who Jesus is. But in my more honest moments, I will confess to you that the Jesus that I think I know is more often not the Jesus that I wish he were. (laughs) Does that make any sense? You see, the Jesus I want kind of really makes no demands on me. This Jesus ignores my faults praises my virtues, my sense of morality, especially compared to yours. Ha! Right? (laughs) That's what we do. Hmm? This Jesus respects my personal opinions and lets me live my life pretty much the way I want to and pretty much leaves me alone for the most part, except when I need him. Right? This Jesus belongs to me, not I to him. This Jesus is my friend, my buddy, the kind of friend who, if we were fishing together, would never criticize my choice of fly or my casting technique and would by no means take the last beer out of the cooler. (laughs) In other words, this Jesus is kind of like all my other friends with maybe just a slightly better reputation, right? The Scripture lessons that we read during the season of Epiphany, however, make this truth perfectly clear that Jesus is, in fact, a whole lot more than I want Him to be, than I wish He were. He's not only friend, He's master. He is not only prophet, but He is Lord, Lord of heaven and earth. And if He is mine, my Savior, my Lord, my master, then I must be His, His student, His disciple, servant, See, then I become the epiphany. I become the one by whom others might come to know Him with my life. They might look at me and say, oh, so that's who Jesus is. Okay. And this is kind of, I think, where we find ourselves today, this morning. Epiphany is not only about the revelation of who God is in Jesus, but it's also about, I think, how things are between us and God. It's about how things are between me and God and the truth about our relationship with the God who made us and sustains us. In our gospel reading for today from Matthew, that long one that I just read for you, we hear Jesus define our relationship with God as kind of the 
either the presence or the lack of something he calls righteousness. In other words, being in a solid, right relationship with God. And righteousness then defined as obedience. Obedience. I want, to, I want you to imagine yourself this morning as if you were one of those Israelite refugees who was standing on the border of the promised land on the banks of the Jordan, ready to go over and possess this land that had been promised you by God. Up until this point, you've never known what it means to be free. No, because for the last 400 plus years, your people have been living as slaves under a foreign power in Egypt, always directed by another, telling you how to live, where you needed to be, what you needed to do. And now you're free. God has chosen you and all the people around you for freedom. This God chose you because this God couldn't bear to see you crushed any longer by humiliation, beaten down. And so this God has given you freedom, a new lease on life, a fresh start. You didn't choose God to love you this way. God chose you for it. Okay? And now, as you stand with your family, ready to come into this place that you can call your own, there's only one thing you must do. You must choose. Hmm? From Deuteronomy 30, see, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments that the Lord your God is giving you, and observing his commandments and decrees and ordinances, then you will live and you'll become numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but instead choose to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish and you shall not live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. So choose life that you and your descendants may live. Now the truth of the matter is you don't have to stand on the banks of the Jordan 3,500 years ago to be faced with that choice, right? Because you face it every single day. You vote. You vote for life or for death every day. We vote to go out among people or to hide ourselves away. We vote to take decisive action or to drift, to take painful risks or to play it safe. We vote to be honest or to be popular, to do justice and to practice loving loyalty, or to simply be, quote-unquote, religious. We vote to share with those in need or to keep for ourselves. And these votes, as Moses observed, are votes to either love God, right, and be obedient, or to turn away from Him and worship something else, anything else. And you know as well as I do, but the sum total of those votes that we cast every day will direct our community and our nation and our world 
far more than any other vote we ever cast. And yet it ain't easy, right? Being in a living relationship with God is in many ways, I guess, like being in a, in a relationship with anybody else, whether a friend or a spouse or a child or a parent. You know that every relationship that you're a part of demands a certain kind of obedience, right? Following of the rules in order to get along, and all the rules of how we live together are pretty obvious. You all know them, instinctively almost. Respect your elders, care for your kids, don't hit, don't hurt, don't kill each other, right? Honor your most cherished relationships with fidelity. Don't tell lies or gossip about each other. Keep your hands off each other's stuff. Be satisfied with what you have. We all know these things. If only it were that easy. And none of that stuff is easy, right? But those are only rules about what we do. Obedience is always and only about what we do. Jesus tells us that real righteousness, in other words, being in a right relationship with God and with neighbor, goes way beyond what we do to what we think, to what we want, to what we desire, to what we covet. What we have here in the continuation of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 20 and following, is what is known as the antitheses. You have heard it said, but I say to you, right? And usually when we think of an antithesis, we think of something that is an opposite, right? The antithesis of hot is cold. The antithesis of love is hate. But here it's more than that. It's more like a contrast, okay? A contrast between hearts bent toward keeping the rules for the rules' sake and hearts bent towards God's intention to want the things that God wants. Later on in the story that Matthew tells, you know, Jesus is going to be accused of kind of being lax on the law, right? Playing fast and loose with it, with God's instruction. But right off the bat, right here in his first public message, he drills a whole lot deeper into Torah than any before him had dared to go. Beyond the rules and right straight to the heart, to what folks want. The rules say don't murder, right? Jesus says, the rules say don't murder. You know that. But then he says that anger and hatred convict you of murder in God's eyes already. The rules say don't commit adultery. Jesus says don't lust. And if you can't help it, then start amputating as necessary. <laughs> the rules say if you want divorce, do the paperwork. Jesus says, dishonoring promises destroys everybody involved. The rules say, don't renege on your oaths, right? Jesus says you got a lot of nerve swearing on anything at all because anything worth swearing on doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. The rules say vengeance should be proportionate. Jesus says, forgo vengeance and go the extra mile in mercy. The rules say, love the ones who love you back and leave the rest behind. Jesus says, love them all regardless. Why? Because that's the way God is. That's why. 
You see, a person who is merely religious is that one who is certain of their solid relationship with God based solely on their performance in keeping the rules. And in one moment here, Jesus destroys the pretensions of the merely religious by showing them, by showing us, right, the gulf that exists, the chasm that exists between our heart and God's heart. Because if we're honest, can we stem that flow of anger or of lust for even one day? Hmm? Are you perfectly faithful in all your commitments every day with no deceit at all? Can we choose, can we vote with our lives to be this righteous as God in Jesus commands us to be, this perfect? Well, this is a difficult one, and I sure ain't going to make it any easier for you this morning. We can choose, right? We must choose how we will respond to God choosing us. We can make choices for this life. We know that. If you want to be healthy, stop choosing things that harm you. If you want harmony in your life, well, stop doing things that cause discord with people around you. If you want peace in the world, stop doing things that lead to war. If you want a closer relationship with your family, well, then stop doing and saying those things that build up walls between you. If you want to rekindle romance in your marriage, stop doing things that create animosity and boredom. Stop scheduling council meetings on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Didn't look at the calendar. Okay. If you want to live in a close-knit community, okay, stop hiding yourself in your house. Get to know your neighbor. Right? If you want a spiritual life that actually fills you up, well, stop pouring all of your time and all of your energy anywhere else but into your relationship with God. These things we can choose. You know that. And we must. We must or we end up paying the price for them. And not off somewhere in the distance on some judgment day. We end up paying the price for them right now. Right? But today Jesus has taken this truth a step further beyond what we do to what we love and the truth of the matter is, I love myself a whole lot more than I love God. And so do you. I can't escape it. None of us can. And we can't bear this truth. And really, we can't hardly bear this Christian faith. But I want you to know this. And I want you to rejoice in this and find power in it. Where you have failed to choose God, God has chosen you anyway. The Lord of heaven and earth has chosen us. And where he searches for righteousness in us and finds us lacking, he imputes it. He gives it as a gift. Closes the distance. God wants not only our hands but our hearts and will stop at absolutely nothing to buy them back. As we come now quickly to the season of Lent, I want you to pay real close attention to the stories we share during those weeks leading up to Good Friday. And I want you to see and understand the lengths to which God would go 
to make us righteous and to choose us even when we don't choose Him. Thanks be to God. Amen.